Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we're going to talk about a couple of recent fishing trips, and we are going to dive into the Q&A from the Hercules Tires Contest that uh, we are actually wrapping up today. We're going to announce the winner, and we're going to start answering some of these uh, questions that you all have sent in. i uh, got a bunch of stuff coming up ahead, so hope you guys enjoy the show. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules, TerraTrack, AT2, and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. It's been a good week since we last talked to you. We've all been on the water and... uh, most of us have been catching some fish, but um, we'll get into all of that. But first, let's go around the table and see what's going on with the guys. Uh, uh, Nick, we started with Rob last week. What's up with you, Nick? Oh, you know, man, just over here living the dream. Have to chuckle because I think your pointed remark there that some of us have been catching fish and some of us haven't certainly doesn't apply to me because I am just, man, I am like a fish catching machine, dude. I just, I'm on man, fire no, everywhere I go. They're just, the listeners you know, know that, man. what I do, man. Yeah, yeah. We all know yeah. that. I, the, the fish see a, a, a woman's cowboy hat on the, on the front of a bass boat, and they just swim to it. They know. It's <laughs> like the offering on the front of that boat is just where it's at, and they just come right to it. Uh, but no, man, it's been, a, it's been another good week. Um, I got out on the water a couple times, uh, sucked, caught nothing, uh, like always, but it uh i think things are turning around man we had a great week of weather it feels like spring is going to spring off any second and uh be nice to see that transition happen fully i'm not looking forward to the hot temperatures that are coming but uh yeah that uh that's been about it man You, you know you you know you're weird and you're lousy when uh i look forward to like which broke down junky vehicle i'm going to tow my boat to the lake with this week and cross my fingers that it makes it so the the whole sick flock got a turn pulling the boat this week and uh, everything just performed flawlessly i could tell you were proud dude of, of your uh, big diesel man like uh, when you had made that post and said hey I, I i it made it to the lake i was like yeah he's he's stoked <laughs> about it you know it's a bad day when you show that instead of like you know, three, five pounders that you caught. <laughs> oh, Hey, it's all, it's like that sunset picture, man. You know, anytime someone posts a picture of their, of the sunset or the boat coming up, you know, they don't have much, uh, many goods to show off. <laughs> they caught uh, the day of fishing. <laughs> Josh, I told Nick already, um, but I got a text from Boyd midweek. Obviously he was listening to the podcast and his text said, does Nick have anything that runs? <laughs> <laughs> just busting, right, his, no. busting on him big time but dude that's part that, of the fun. Uh, that truck so much fun man it's a stick shift and uh i've i've lived all these years on the planet i've never pulled anything never pulled a trailer with a, a stick shift and it's a two-wheel drive which sometimes on a wet boat ramp can be you know yeah. slightly problematic and uh the thought was in my head as i was attempting it and uh you know that truck is 
I have a nickname for it that I'm sure Josh won't let me say on the podcast. So suffice <laughs> Thanks, to say, it's, it's not pretty and it's not nice. And everyone in my neighborhood shuns me. They won't even look at me when I drive by in it. But, uh, I, you know, I backed the trailer down the ramp and I, everything's good. And, you know, diesel life, you never turn those things off. I just let it idle in front of my house for days until I drive it again because it's what you do. So I backed it down the ramp thinking that I would just put the, the e-brake on and life would be good. And uh, apparently the emergency brake on that truck doesn't quite totally grab very Ooh. good. What do so you do I, then? Well, that was my thought. I was like, well, now we're kind of in a rock and a hard place because it's not really grabbing. And the truck was like kind of shuddering and shaking down the ramp. I was like, it'd be pretty amazing if my truck and trailer just continued to go into the lake after I got on the boat and was driving it to the dock. That'd be the and final I kinda... straw. Hey, all these problems, when your truck ends up in the lake, that's the last straw. Time and, to move on. I've been trying to sell this thing, so I thought, man, an insurance claim would be <clears> so much easier than dealing with all the <laughs> Craigslist tire kickers. I'm like, in one shot, I'd be money, dude. I could just cash out and be done. But I put it, I you know, I put it in gear and turned it off. And as soon as I left it in second gear, it didn't go anywhere. But I just thought that was funny. I was like, this thing just wants to, it just wants to die. And I should have just let it. I should have left everything attached and just let it roll down the ramp and been like, sweet. If you sink the truck, at least you'd be Facebook famous for a while. Dude, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, you would. So, hey, yeah. uh, real quick, dude. Uh, do you want to go into your, uh, we'll go into it more, like, especially as it gets closer and you actually go, but. Are you down to tell the listeners about the trip that you've got set up? Oh, of course, man. When you've gone months of catching nothing, um, you, you just pull out all the stops. You know, like you just have to go straight to the, the Capri Sun and get on the juice. And so I, uh, I've been hatching this scheme on how I'm going to catch something. And I'm going south of the border, baby. I'm going to Sonora, Mexico to uh, just where the, where the fish are hungry and the women are friendly. And I'm just going nice. to go for it. I have a yeah. feeling we could be looking for a, the third podcast member here soon. Well, check. There your, could be an open opening here real soon. Within two weeks, man. I would say just yeah. check the mail for any fingers or ears or anything that people send, <laughs> you know, as ransom. And I wouldn't really respond to those ransom notes if I was you guys. I think uh, you could do better anyways. But should be a lot of fun, man. I'm going to, um, through the network of fishing got hooked up with some guys that have done it many times and got hooked up with a super cool guide down there. It seems like, uh, everything's going to go good, but in the true spirit of adventure, I'm riding the Mexican equivalent of a Greyhound bus 13 hours all night to get there, um, and fish Saturday, Sunday, and then Sunday afternoon, evening, I'm going to take another 13 hour overnight Greyhound Mexican bus ride home. So this is where it gets interesting. I so, don't foresee how any of that could go wrong. Exactly. With all your tackle, yeah. everything, all your fishing gear, it's, yeah, it's quite good. an adventure. I think when you get back, if you get back, <laughs> <laughs> we should have, um, obviously your experiences, but, uh, is it Gary Grimes that does that a bunch? Yeah. Gary Grimes. And just cool, have him Rob. on the podcast and it'd be cool to go over some of that stuff. If people are yeah. interested in risking their, everything they have. So it's so funny, man. When you research that stuff, you can tell like people who go, say, oh, it's not that big a deal. And everyone blows it way out of precautions and it's not that bad. And then anyone else is like, you're an idiot. Like you're going to die. Like seriously, everyone in my family, I think my wife is secretly hoping I do die, but everyone, like my neighbors and stuff, Go they're on. like, dude, you're a, like, why? Like, Hey, if you've gone this long without catching a fish, like you would do it too. Trust me. Like everything's on the table. 
Well, hopefully they I don't have you. a nasty cold front down in Mexico. When you <laughs> Seriously, <show up>. right? <laughs> of course, of course, dude. Your, your guide's motors are gonna blow on the on the route to the first spot, dude. Yeah, it'd be like this hasn't happened in twenty years. <laughs> I heard that in Falcon in December, so I I'm right. fully prepared for you know epic fails because that's kind of how everything I do happens. But even if that's the case, man, I'm sure there's some cerveza and some carne asada tacos waiting for me and. Uh, you know, my chihuahua is always my companion on the boat, and it's been a little bit rocky on the personal front this week, and there's just something about alone time with your dog and, you know, the heart-to-heart conversations that, that you can have with them. So I'm not bringing my dog on this trip. I'll, she'll sorely be missed, but a lot of the times just being out there is as good as anything else. So, I hear that, yeah. man, yeah. I think it'll be a great trip. I'm really anxious to hear all the ins and outs, the ups and downs of it. So it should yeah, be all the up, fishing dude. aspect should be phenomenal. Just yeah. the traveling should be, I don't know what, what, what that's going to be. My but. wife's convinced I'm going to get detained at the border and they're not going to let me leave. I'm like, bro, I, obla, like, no, just because she thinks it's, you know, she thinks that they're just down there to mess with you. But I obla enough Spanish that man, I can, I'm a slick tongue, de- tongue devil. I got this. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, all right so rob how about you dude we had a uh a a decent day of fishing last week it was a little bit slower than it's been but it was good to finally get it back on the boat with you man yeah it was it was nice to get on the water it uh reminded me what i've been missing um it was it was just a beautiful day Uh, a little overcast no wind um we did a little challenge. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, Josh? man. Talk, let's talk about it. We brought Ryan along. Uh, you know, Ryan, uh, our YouTube buddy, our, our videographer from the podcast. And uh, we, yeah, this we yeah, is, let's talk about the actual challenge. Uh, yeah, the challenge was interesting enough to get people to watch. The <laughs> challenge was Josh's idea. And I think it's brilliant. And we need to do it with other, other techniques also. But we took a drop shot and a jig. And so there was three of us fishing. Uh, and we were just trying to tally what size of fish you catch on a jig versus a drop shot. Uh, but the rule was it wasn't a challenge between any of us. It was just a challenge against us and the fish. Uh, but you had to, like, I started with a jig and caught one on a jig and then you pick up a drop shot. And until you catch one on a drop shot, you can't throw a jig again. And it just goes on and on. Uh, fishing was below average. Unfortunately, I think that's just my me lately when i've been going to the lake no, roosevelt yeah you can't blame that on yourself dude it just the fish just, are starting to move you know the fish yeah, are starting to move yeah so but it was a fun day um we caught a few decent fish the jig definitely outfished the drop shots so it was interesting um but it was fun it was just it was just nice like like nick says get out on the water and see the sunrise and you know it was just a beautiful day got to eat some burritos that type of stuff so it was fun but the constellations right <laughs> oh yeah exactly oh yeah exactly. and it, it, it just all it was great it was a it was a great day yeah what's interesting about the con uh of, not the contest about the uh the deal we did was the jig definitely it was kind of as expected right like you'd pick yep. a drop shot up and boom catch one right off the bat and you'd be on the jig and you'd have that dang jig in your hand for 45 minutes till you finally got a bite <laughs> and then you get one and it'd be twice the size of your drop shot fish uh, pick up the drop shot again and think catch one right off the bat but so we've got a sample size we only fish for four hours we've got a sample size of 10 fish and we already saw a pattern start to develop but I was thinking like, so we definitely need to do it on different baits. Just like Rob said, like we're going to do a chatter bait and a spinner bait 
and a few other baits and baits that are similar to each other, right? Like you can't do like a deep diving crankbait and a buzz bait. Like you just can't do that because you're fishing completely different fish, but baits that you can fish in the same areas for the same fish. It's interesting, but we need to go do it just a couple more times with the jig and drop shot again, just to grow the sample size and do it different times a year. I think if you did it three or four or five times throughout the year and you end up getting a hundred fish, and, and it's throughout the seasons, like it's a legit thing. Yeah. And it'll just be really interesting. But the average size of the jig fish was, was almost double. And, and, and see, with a small sample size, one big fish could skew that. Like you could accidentally catch a seven on the drop shot your next cast, and it'll actually, at this point, mess it'll up wreck the, results, the data right? for a while. Yeah. Totally. But uh, I think we need to do some different baits, but also just go out and do that same one again. It, and it was yeah. fun. Like it, it was fun because it was almost, it was brainless. It was mindless fishing because like there was no, okay, you're not like moving and grooving, picking up the right rod for this situation <laughs> or that situation. It's like, I have to throw the jig until I catch one, you know, and, and, and I have to throw the drop shot. It was, but it was fun to mindlessly fish a little bit. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a great, uh, great challenge or a great, um, I guess, test that Josh thought up and it's going to be fun to continue with that for sure. Yeah. 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 Have, have you guys ever kept much records throughout time about like fish catches and conditions and so on and so forth? I know it'd be cool. I, I'm sure over the years that's happened and you know, it's really common. i my brother hooked me up on a book about bird hunting and this guy talks about like his stats over the seasons and, it's it's painstaking to keep that data but it would be really cool to know like oh well, you, know, you could see like the health of fisheries and over time and so forth so that'd be cool man it really would shine some light on you know different approaches and different times of the year and stuff like that you you could glean a lot from it versus just having it in your mind and thinking you know something <laughs> yeah true, true. Yeah. but even in that small sample size what we learned was and we talked about it a little bit on there is if you were to fish a tournament the next day I mean, who cares if you only catch five fish, right? So you go out and throw the jig for sure, you know? At least one of the guys, like let's say you're in a team tournament, uh, Ah. have the guy in the front throw a jig all day. Like you cannot get off that jig because the quality is better on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And the guy in the back could switch back and forth until you catch a limit, you know? So you just, yeah, you learn things even in a four-hour sample size like that, that that would definitely – play yeah you know move you forward in the process yep sure and without that structured format you probably wouldn't you might see it but it wouldn't be so blatantly obvious and that's like when they i've done a lot of like bait testing um for berkeley and it's it's very structured for that exact reason they have like an exact Uh system that you have to follow so the patterns are of course it's still fishing and there are still random circumstances but like the patterns start to show up real quick. Um, yeah, you're it's, minimizing it's variables, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like even when you got two guys in the boat, you're swapping the rods back and forth every 15 minutes. And like they've, they've got some interesting uh, stuff. So maybe we'll, uh, I keep talking about it, but we need to get um, Dan from Berkeley, the bait designer on um, yeah. to talk about just bait design and testing and stuff like that. I think it'd be a, a pretty interesting episode. Um, but yeah. Uh, and Hey, if, if anyone's heard a beep about 17 times already, uh, I apologize. There it is right there. there it on is. Cue. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's even worse than a cell phone dinging, but, uh, I'm here at Lake Havasu. I'm in a rental house. I've got my family inside sleeping 
and I'm in a, a big empty hollow garage. So they say that you're supposed to record in a small confined <laughs> place. Um, and I'm in the opposite. I'm in a giant echoey garage. So uh, this is going to be poor audio quality quality and I apologize, but this was the only kind of the only way we could get it done this week. But I'm here for the yeah. week fishing the, uh, the one bass AZ open before uh, going back East to Redcrest. And uh, it's, I mean, this is, it's, it's a cool lake. It's a cool little city Think It's, it's beautiful weather. The weather's going to be in the seventies tournament starts in a few days, but I figured you guys would get a kick out of my first day practice story. So there is a, uh, there was another tournament. There was a Federation nation regional going on for the Federation guys right when I got here a couple of days ago and um, they fished one day and then their second is three day tournament. Their second day gets canceled due to high winds. They were, you know, 25, 30 mile an hour winds all day sustained. And you guys both know, like when this place gets windy, it gets extremely nasty. Um, especially when it's out of the north or south, kind of blowing up or down the lake. And it was out of the north. So they cancel the tournament, but I'm just pre-fishing for my tournament. And uh, I'm not going to go out in the main lake. I'm like, but I, I can't sit around all day. I'm going to utilize the day for something. I had, I had a couple of things going on the last couple of days that were going to shorten up my practice. So I needed to try to utilize the time. So I decided to go down south and launch where it's a little bit more narrow. You know, you're not going to have six foot waves. It's going to be windy and, and it's rough, but not, you're not going to die out there. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, I get to the ramp and there's only two guys, me and, uh, and, and this is a 170 boat tournament. There's two guys on the water, <laughs> myself and Todd Klein, our buddy, Todd Klein, the professional surfer who is not scared of any water. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> if there's anyone that is not afraid to drown it's Todd Klein. So the two of us are at the ramp and uh, we told one of the locals uh, there like, Hey, if we're not back by dark, call the coast Guard." Yeah. Um, we go out and I'm fishing and it's just, I mean, it's as expected, right? Like it's, it's already kind of a tough bite just because it's, it's always tough here in the winter and, and early pre-spawn. You don't get many bites, but when you do, they're big ones. Uh, so with that in mind, you add the, the wind to it and, uh, I'm just struggling. I, um, I'm fishing around. I get a couple bites, but um, I finally hit the breaking point at like two o'clock. It's like, okay, I can't even like, I can't even throw a, a, a reaction bait without a bow in my line. It was, it was so windy that I was, I was not learning anything. I was, everything was getting soaked in the boat. I had taken a couple waves the wrong way over the bow. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go hang out with my family for the afternoon. So I'm, I'm running in and I'm like, you know what? It's actually been a pretty smooth day. Like, Hey, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a little rusty. This I'm, I'm at this tournament to shake the rust off and get into fishing shape and uh, been fishing this treacherous day all day. No problems. It's just been, it's been really, really, it's been an, <laughs> a, a, a harmless day. And I get to the dock and uh, the wind of course now is right into the dock. And um, you know, it's a narrow little deal. Like it's so narrow. It's, it was the cattail cove boat ramp. If you guys have been there, yep. not like you can come in and do a big U-turn and like tie the <laughs> boat the right way on the dock. Like you have only one angle that you can tie in and it is clearly the wrong angle. Um, the waves are just like, like it's, it's not a good direction Into to have the your boat tied. Yeah. So I pull up to the dock and I've got like 10 seconds to get my rope out and tie it tie it before I drift off, you know? So I'm rushing. I open my rod box 
And what I had done earlier that morning was I, I, I was swapping some rods and reels out in the garage and I, I took a re- reel off of a rod and just put it in that compartment. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'll just, it's my only other reel with 10 pound on it. I just, I want to keep it in the boat in case I have an issue. Um, so it's laying in that compartment, but I was in such a, ru- a rush to get the rope. I just grabbed the rope and I just watched it grabs the reel and launches it. And I watched the reel just sail oh. into the lake. Kaplunk. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> So pissed. So I, I'm already pissed. So I'm like, God dang it. You know, I tie the boat to the dock and it's in the boat is like the, the front corner of the boat is beaten up on the dock and it's just a plastic dock. And I'm so pissed about the reel. I'm like, I could have like maybe tried to reposition it, but I'm like, Nope. F this. Yeah. I'm just going to run, you know? So I run <laughs> full speed to get my boat trailer and uh, get it. And I drive 50 miles an hour down the down the ramp back it in as fast as i can and i get to the boat untie it put it up on the trailer and i'm like okay that wasn't so bad and i get off and my brand new boat wrap like where i've got the lettering at of my boat is completely like you can't even see the az lettering on the side of uh, the Uh, boat right there like it's it's only about a two foot (laughs) section but the wrap is like shrapnel yeah the boat's fine it was just a rubber dock but like it just looks ugly yeah well Uh, it's character, man. As someone who lives and drives and breathes ugliness, man, it's just character. Exactly. And you guys know things come in threes. So I come back, I get back to the house and uh, there's a nail in one of my trailer tires. So of course, got that knocked out too. So you just did uh, that. You just did it. You just pounded the nail in there just to get it over with. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, good point. That's as harmless as something could be for a, uh, for a third issue. For the final yeah. third. Yeah. Uh, uh. Sucks about the real though. Yeah, it does. You know, like, hey, uh, uh, not to sound spoiled, dude, but that would have been devastating, you know, uh, 10 years ago for me. Oh, and, and hell now yeah. it's like, it's, I can live, I can live without that real. It'll make someone's day. Like, I thought about it, like, hey, when it's glass calm, that's what I was you thinking. Can see it's it. clear. You can see yeah. down. It's like six, seven feet there. I tried with a little yeah. bit with, with like a net. And then I had, I had like a spoon tied on. I was dragging it around on the standing on the dock. I'm like, I'm not going to catch a reel with this thing. Like, if it was a rod, my odds would be pretty good. But like, how the heck are you going to hook a reel? Maybe the last day of the tournament, if you're really struggling, you'll run down there and try to get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think hilarious. your partner would think of that? That's all. <laughs> That would be great, dude. Hey, yeah. will you run the trolley motor for a second while I jump off and swim down here? Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, no, this is a good Dr. Fish, bro. I, <laughs> yeah, cast right there multiple times. you dragging a spoon with a seven-aught hook. Uh, <laughs> Catch them like this all the time. Oh, that's funny. Speaking of new boats, dude, I'm like – I have this vision of the first tournament of the year. All these guys are going to be in different brand boats this year, Josh. You, it is you're gnarly. one of the few. That, right. But like, they're not going to know how the boats handle. Obviously they're all going to have driven them prior, but I wouldn't want to be a non-boater in that situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wear two life jackets. All these guys unfamiliar with their boats they're running. But yeah. I know that's a random that thought, been... but it, it just, it cracks me up thinking about it dudes are, are driving the same boat for 20 years brand it probably fits like a glove you know can you imagine yep. how weird it is to, to to jump in a different one man crazy dude it's even like when i'd get new boats all the time the even the next year model felt different you know but it's no it's i can't imagine going from a a brand you've been in forever and all of a sudden into a different one so yeah but random thoughts by me sorry hey i love it that's what it's all about 
Well, hey, if you guys are ready for it, we can jump into some of this Q&A. So uh, again, we appreciate everyone that uh, contributed to the Q&A and played in the Hercules Tires Trailer Tire Giveaway Q&A Contest Extravaganza. We had quite a few submissions and um, we've got a winner picked and we're going to save the winner for the last question of the day. Uh, we're not going to get to everyone's question. Uh, we're going to knock a bunch of them out today and then we'll kind of sprinkle them in in episodes moving forward, uh, you know, before interviews and stuff like that. And then there are a few that were great questions, but like, it was like, ah, you know, I don't think any of us are experts in this. Let's wait till we get an expert in that matter on for that question. But um, we'll go ahead and, uh, and just start out and see, uh, see what we've got here. First one, and this is something we touched on a little bit, but um it's always worth talking about again. This one is from Nate Goodwin Fishing. I'd love to hear each of your guys' take on where electronics are going. Why is this such a controversial subject? Has anyone heard of a new race with live mapping? Is this going to be the future or is the shallow or are the shallow water superstars gonna go back to dominating because everyone is in their electronic wormholes? It's a good question. And this is Nate Goodwin from Terre Haute, Indiana, which is uh it's one of the hotbeds for uh, live PD when that was playing all the time. Did you guys huh. watch live PD before it got canceled? Not enough a little to be bit, a huge yeah. fan, but yeah, yeah, I know it's an amazing show. What was it? Just randomly, like that was the police department that started the show or something? That yeah, well, they, see, they'll just pick random cities. Like they were yeah. in Santan Valley for a while. Yeah, I remember uh, that back. You know, and I never uh, saw any of those. It was before I got into the show, but yeah, I guess one of the seasons they ha they just uh, followed the Terre Haute police department cool. around so yeah um dude indiana makes me think of a stranger things too man all sorts of oh that like, was out they, of indiana huh? i'm pretty sure it was cool. I, now i might be completely wrong and ruining this guy's question which is a good one let he me give my two cents on the on the electronics real quick yeah, i have a, a thought um i've never felt so behind the fishing world i guess that i that i do right now just because it's so advanced and it's eye-opening when I go fishing with Josh just to see what's going on. Um, and the, one of the, the part of his question were, that really strikes me is, are guys going to start catching them shallow? Because now the new norm is everyone's out on the ledges chasing them with electronics. And I think he has a really valid point. Yeah. You know, I think there's, it, it may open up some windows and relax the pressure on some of those fish that are shallow because everybody's so dialed into that deep stuff you know um but yeah i just I, i'm blown away with how it i mean how long have you had the front facing sonar josh a Since year I and a half two years Garmin. so uh <clears throat> probably uh over two years six then. years now I had six the years. First, yeah, I had the first pen optic six years ago, you know, but it's, wow. it's, it's been really good for five years. Really good. Like the original just, pen optics was so good that I was actually nervous to switch to live scope and now live scope. Gotcha. So mind blowingly good. I'm glad right. I did, but like, right. it was pretty legit even before live scope, the original pen optics was good, but now it's out of this world. Yeah. So it just blows my mind fishing deep with you. I mean, I've, I, I've been out with you a couple times when it's really played and, and you're chasing schools of fish around on this structure. And it's just, it, it completely surprises me. If I were to go out with my 2d sonar and I would find the structure and I would set outside of it and I'd cast and use my 
my um, drop shot, jig, Carolina, whatever, to find where the fish to are, right? Feel the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's my that's my front facing. We all sonar. did forever, and, and still right, do. yeah, yeah, yep, no doubt. And I go fishing with you, and you're like, you got your drop shot up there, and you're like and looking around with the sonar, and then you cast. You're like, the school is right there, and that just blows my mind. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely really intrigued by it, and need to get into the. It's just a financial thing, you know. You got to buy the stuff. Yeah, well, that's, that's, whatever I buy today and a year from now is going to be obsolete, you know. And that's <laughs> you're chasing it. So it's the new iPhone. Hey. I hear that. Right. That's the frustrating part. Right. I'm like, I'm like one of those kids that's like glued to a video game and like my co-anglers talking to me, like you guys when we're fishing are talking to me and I'm just not responding. And it's like, Oh yeah, he's live scoping. He's in another world. <laughs> you just uh, need to get some headphones, like some big yeah. over there headphones exactly. so you can just completely check out. <laughs> yeah. You can hear, you can, now you can hear the shad down there and you can hear the bass like blowing up on stuff in yeah. deep water and yeah, full on, you'll get a gamer chair for the front of your boat. <laughs> yeah. There's Bicycle nine pounders eating gizzard chat on the surface behind me. Oh yeah, a gamer right. chair. That's hilarious. Yes. And you'll have hot it, pockets on the front deck. Hot pockets and never shower. I Just like you're stuck oven. on Josh hasn't come in for three days. Got long <laughs> greasy hair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you put if you insert your credit card here, you'll catch three more bass. Yes, like, right. <laughs> no, you gotta go to the app store. It's right. already got it saved. Just use Apple Pay. Right. Hilarious. Well, yeah. See you though. There's there's valid points on both sides. You know, it's I, the guys that are going to be super successful are the ones that are going to be committed to knowing how to use the electronics and using them when the time's right, but also able to step away from them when it's time to keep it simple. Especially in the spring, man. Like you know, like between the months of February and May, like there are times to go offshore, but more tournaments are one with a flipping stick that time of year and more good bass are caught just on a, a chatterbait or something like that than they are out deep a spinnerbait and like we've seen a resurgence in a spinnerbait over the last five years that is really interesting like it's just that stuff doesn't go away and, and the fish are always going to go shallow to spawn and matt lee talked about it like fish are fish and they have their habits like no matter how pounded a spot gets out deep if it's a if it's a main ledge out on Gunnersville that the current hits just right, like they're gonna just they're gonna funnel out to it a hundred percent at some point. But there's always gonna be fish living shallow. And hey, if you take if now seventy five percent of the fields out there fishing deep, like yeah, those fish shallow are are, are feeling pretty good and uh, yeah. and they're sitting there waiting to be caught. So tell this. Uh, can I tell the story about Brett and how you, how you said, because Brett just switched over to Garmin and he, he contacted you and was like, man, the 2d sonar is just phenomenal on these Garmin units. Right. And Josh's statement to me was, it's so funny to hear that. Cause Brett's like such a 2d guy. He goes, wait till he figures out the front facing sonar with the, the live scope. He's like, it's just going to be mind boggling to him. So kind of funny to hear that from, a big time electronics guy like Brett, right? Yeah, well, and he never had it, right? He, right. he always had a different brand that didn't have the front facing. Like he is like the OG of yes. vertical deep drop shotting. Like Nick, when like if you go back 20 years, when Brett, uh, even maybe 25 years, Brett was like on the forefront of like winning tournaments vertical he, on a drop shot. High school, at, high school student, high <laughs> yeah. school student winning for winning boats on Lake Pleasant. 
no doubt dropping a drop shot with yep. with the 2d so like 2D, his first yeah. day at the lake like that's his first thing i'm like gonna dial in this 2d and it's <laughs> totally still legit like we still all use 2d but like i'm like dude he has no idea how sick live scope is like as soon as he turns <laughs> live scope on he's just gonna flip that he's like his 2d is gonna be a thing of the past you know he's hardly ever gonna look at it but he's gonna um, be all hot pockets and acne by that point once he <laughs> yep. turns on the front face it's over like no one's seen or heard from brett height in months he's just out there got his toaster oven plugged in and doing his thing yeah <laughs> hilarious all right um so the next question from our listener rick treon who sent us a few questions in the past uh thank you uh, for that rick question if i'm seeing cruisers up on the shoreline shallow after the spawn what would be a good tactic to get them interested in biting recently spent all fall on a power plant lake in east texas and had a tough time with these fish hmm. good question those are tough fish to catch um Nick, do you have anything you want to throw in on this one, dude? I, I've got a take. I'm sure Rob does, but we don't yeah, want to leave you out on the questions, man. Man, yeah, well, assuming you made it to the lake safely and your piece of junk that you were towing your boat with. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I would think uh, uh, Sanko comes to mind for me, right? Like a little pretty wacky cool. rig of some sort. And uh, depending on, obviously, the water is pretty clear if you can see him. So maybe downsizing your line um, as much as you can to get away with without, you know, going too far and, Nice long cast with a Sanko wacky rig. That that would be my approach there. What do you guys think? My take is uh, a couple things. By the time you've seen a cruiser that's not on a bed, it's probably too late to catch them. Yep. Um, so you're going to take note of seeing those fish, and hopefully the wind picks up a little bit. Now you've got a bank that um, has fish on it. There's a little breeze on it. You can go through there and one through a Senko. Um, I had a, a situation. It's really funny because we were just talking about this on our last fishing trip, Josh and I, um, guide trip at Saguaro Lake. There was tons of big fish. It was after the spawn. They're all post spawn. They were up shallow. Uh, we we're fishing around. I, I think we were throwing little swim baits or whatever, and these fish would follow it out, but they wouldn't eat it. Um, and it was right when the, the spy baits started getting popular to where a lot of, you know, more people were knowing about them. So, um, I tied a spy bait on one of the client's rods and literally every Doubled fish, he, and we were just Doubled racking over. them. Yeah. So, and then I put them on everybody's rod and it was, uh, it was really eye opening. I don't think those fish had ever seen a spy bait before. That's probably part of it too. It was just the perfect presentation for what those fish were doing. And they were in, uh, like on kind of on a grass edge and maybe five foot of water and and um yeah it was it was phenomenal so the spy bait was a big player there nice. so that's my take that's a cool sneaky one dude you know and yet it's those those post-spawn fish that are that are up shallow like they're living up there for a reason the big ones are up there to eat bluegill a lot of times the males are up there to guard fry um, sometimes there's like a shad spawn going on in the morning and then after the shad spawn they just kind of chill and just still sit there shallow but like uh, you know knowing what you're around and, and, and knowing if it is a bluegill thing if it is a fry thing that helps a lot the wacky rigged stickworm you know a general for me a senko like uh, for a lot of folks throw like that those are those are great uh, presentations the spy bait one's cool dude and it's cool you've done that a little bit uh, also Rob like that I've experienced similar things where like you see the fish and you're not going to physically cast a spy bait to a fish that you see that second, but 
if you if you notice, hey, that bank had a bunch of fish, or I saw one there earlier. Like it's a it's a very sneaky way to catch fish in the spring, and not a lot of people talk about it, man. Um, and and again, it's going to sound like a plug, but that's we when we um, developed the spy, the Berkeley spy, like we made a slow sink version for that exact scenario. So like there's, we have a color called stealth gill. And in that slow sink, it is like the perfect spy bait for uh, that scenario. Um, if they're, if they're on bluegill beds, which a lot of times the big ones are, one other thing I'll throw in there is like a slow moving topwater bait. It's really uh, popular to throw like a, uh, a big popper, you know, in those, in those areas, you know, if you see some fish around bluegill beds and you're not going to spit it and spray it, but like you just throw a big popper and you know, it, it could be any, any, any color, but if you can walk it almost like you would walk a walking bait, um, that's a great way to tantalize those big uh, post-spawn fish into biting especially the bluegill uh, garters or that or might eaters. be like the most fun way to catch a bass if i had to drill it down like a big fish on a popper is about the pinnacle it yep. is the ferguson flush as rob would call it <laughs> uh, i have one other take on it too um, let's say you're fishing a lake multiple days and obviously you're going to see those fish probably when the sun is up high uh, mm, maybe one. that next morning you hit that bank you know what i mean you just uh, there's there's so much value in clear water as far as being able to locate fish granted it makes them harder to catch mm -hmm. in a lot of situations but if you just get your timing right and you know you have that bank that has all those fish not only do you fish it when the wind blows on it or do you you know maybe the early light in the is morning. lower uh -huh. yeah early in the morning or stay till dark and fish them right before dark you know that type of stuff there's a window there right absolutely yep that's yeah. a great call rob if uh the, those low light times and if you talk to ty like ty ty our guest a couple weeks ago talked about that pressure and he's I mean, he swears like you've got a fish like that that's tough to catch you come back when the pressure's right and yep. it's more likely to bite so whatever that feeding window is that's a, that's a i'm glad you added that dude that's a great point they're tough fish to catch um, and pre-spawn cruisers are the same way but pre-spawn cruisers it's Post-spawn cruisers, you know that like, they, okay, they're dialed in. They want to eat bluegill. These they're fish hungry, are sitting. Tired. And hey, when you see a, uh, a, a, a post-spawn fish on fry, that fish is there all the time. And they bite. Like if you can make a long yep. cast on a fry garter, they bite. Now, unfortunately, they're, they're mainly males and they're not giants. But, uh, you know, if you want big ones in the spring up shallow, you really want to be on the shad spawn early. I'm, I'm talking after the spawn, post-spawn. Or um, you got to find the bluegill. Yep. The bluegill eaters are a huge, huge deal for getting those better than average bites. And I think um, the bluegill biter or the bluegill bed fish are probably a little more spread out throughout the day. Shad spawn, it could be 20 minutes in the morning. It has to be first thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a tough time of year, dude. It really is. I, I enjoy yeah. the post spawn because it's when you can first start getting offshore a little bit. But overall, like, yeah, the, a lot of lakes in, in May or May is not the easiest month. No, but you can have those days that are ridiculous, you know, you hit it right. So it's a very good point. Very good yeah. point. All right, moving on to the next one. We'll get a couple more here and then we'll save the rest for later on. Um, okay. So with everyone getting ready for the season to start, do you guys have any prep or rigging tips for guys that are pressed on time when the season is about to start? It's a good question because like, uh, 
it's not just like a generic ring question, but like, how can you maximize your, your time on the water when you maybe work all week and you don't have time to sit in the, in the garage for a day before the tournament, or in my case, like tournaments back to back, like there have been so many situations where I go from a large mouth lake directly to a small mouth lake and they're completely different bodies of water. And, uh, you know, maybe I want to get home and see my family in between or something like that. And I don't have, I don't have days to, to unload the truck and boat and do that. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start. And then if you guys get any thoughts and have thoughts, uh, ch chime in, but, um, you know, for me, what there, there are certain rods that like that you have no matter what, right. You know, certain rods that are not going to change and no matter where you go, they never leave the boat, certain drop shot rods and stuff like that. But if I have like a couple tournaments back to back, one thing, like right now I'm at Havasu and I've actually, when I was at home, I rigged a ton of rods. I rigged all my rods for Havasu and I rigged all my rods for uh, Redcrest. And I just took um, all the Redcrest rods with, and that's a dirty water, Lake Palestine. It's a dirty water, shallow, you know, Bubba fishing lake. All those things, I just put them at the very bottom of the rod locker. I pulled the rod organizer out of my rod locker and I just put them in with the sleeves and I can fit almost 40 rods in there. Mm. So I've got literally, I've got 15, 16 rods for Redcrest rigged at the very bottom. And then I've got just my Havasu stuff on top. And then I'll He's been rigging them. rods since December 1st. Hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, you know how it is. You guys know how it is, but uh, you know, so the rigging that that's one thing, but like one thing I, I like to do is, um, I've got all, all my baits that I carry around, you know, whether they're in boxes or bags or whatever, but I take, and this is a disorganized way to be organized, but I take the big giant, even the, the size over a gallon Ziploc bag, you know, there's a size above the gallon. Okay. Um, I literally can just take all my soft baits for a, a specific lake and put them in that, you know, just right on the side of it, Lake Palestine. And then I know like, okay, I've got two bags of, of, of black and blue pit boss, two bags of green pumpkin, green pit boss, um, two bags of, of green pumpkin tubes, like two bags of everything. I think I'm, I would use that first day that I'm at Palestine and it, it all fits in that bag. And literally just right before I go, I take that out of the truck, plop it in the boat and I've got enough to get started and get through a day. Like you, you rarely go through more than two bags of a specific bait or color in a day, right? Like you, you might have to restock after that, but I've got enough to take that box and, or bag and throw it in the boat. And then if I go through something or I find something's working, I'll, I'll pick from the truck and get more, but like, it's super, it's super simple, but just, just having those bags. And like, if I've got a trip coming up where I've got three or four tournaments in a row, I'll do a Champlain bag. I'll do a Cayuga Lake bag, a Potomac river bag, and a sturgeon bay bag and then i just you know then all i have to worry about is is my rods because i've got the baits already set aside and your hard baits don't change that much do they correct yeah i mean like the hard baits are kind of in the boat no matter what there are certain certain boxes that you might use specialty boxes like on certain places but yeah man i mean a jerk bait box is never going to come out of the boat really a yeah. deep diving crankbait box a medium and a shallow they're always in the boat vibrating jigs spinner bait stuff like that that's stuff that you can leave in, but it's the soft baits that I find. Like, yeah. is it the same thing with you guys? Like when you go to different places, it's the soft baits that you're Yeah, really I pretty much prepare with the brown, the brown paper bags I get from Liar's Corner. There you go. If it's, if it's torn and, and messed up, it's probably like... That was a good one. Well, yeah, and it was a while ago. So I go for the fresh <laughs> bag, the fresh oh, brown paper bag. So 
Uh, I'm the worst, dude. That's what I keep my 40s in, Rob. So I have a lot of brown paper bags. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that question was uh, directed more towards Josh with his uh, endeavors over ours. It was super helpful, though, because as I (laughs) planned for my Mexican massacre, I uh, was sitting there taking notes. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, I'm I'm 27 bags of. Well, yeah, you have to streamline big time, Nick, to uh, to go down there. You know, you got to get everything on a bus, right? So, yeah, and, and, and that's the type of place where you can go through some serious baits, you know, down yeah. catching a lot of fish, hopefully. You're bringing enough stuff for the cartel to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> They're going to be out there fishing. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'll be the next Netflix documentary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> I love it. Solid right. question. So, Thank you to that guy because he yes. he helped me learn just as much as anyone else did. So, yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, okay, we also so learned to steal Josh. Sorry, Josh. Oh, we also learned which boat to rob at the truck stop outside of East Tennessee. The one that has thirty nine thousand rods in the rod locker. That's the one you want. Well, yeah. and the baits with the name where they're used. Yeah, <laughs> be like. <laughs> You still these graphs on, take pictures of the waypoints, take some notes. Perfect. Looks like we're going to Champlain. (laughs) Yeah, it's hilarious. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop interrupting you. I promise. That's good. That's good. Uh, If if y'all can't tell, I'm in a rush because I'm going fishing after this and I'm trying to catch first light. So we got to answer these questions before it's first light. And most of us got up early on time. You, you all know who that's directed at and he's shaking his head but hey uh I, i'm appreciative that you even got up as early as you did to come there talk to us man it's it's an early morning so uh for our grand finale and the big winner of the tires again thank you everyone for playing but this is going to be uh the winner i'll read the co- the uh, question he's going to know who he is and then i will announce his name afterwards cool let's see since spring, and this is a great question, since spring is just around the corner, when you guys start throwing red on your baits, is it a water temp thing or a water clarity reason or simply what do you do this time of year? Why do you throw red? Um, thanks for the help and keep up the good work. I think that is a good question, right? Like, like why is red so popular late winter, early spring, and then it just kind of goes away. Um, and I think he, he hit the nail on the head with it. I think it's a couple of reasons, but like when, uh, when do you guys start throwing red? Did we talk about this recently? When do you guys start throwing red on your baits? When I think of when someone brings red up in a bait and pre-spawn, I mean, I just can't help but think of a red rattling bait, like a red rattle trap. Totally. Like yeah. that's like, as That's OG as, as it gets. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know where else you go with it. I mean, do you get, do you throw other red baits? I mean, that's just like the number oh, yeah. one to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely this time of year. It's those, you know, you're targeting those big pre-spawn fish that are the fat ladies potentially on. Yeah. Potentially on a grass edge or I think of red rattle traps too. And I also think of Texas. So yeah, that's, I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it. That's, I'm not terribly versed on it, but yeah, I, say, I don't really feel super qualified to answer that either. But if I was going to guess and Josh, this guess is pointed to you. Is it, is it crawfish start to like have that coloration? I don't think coloration is word, but are they like molting into that color or is it more to get the fishes, you know, aggressive 
instincts flowing what is it dude well I th- i've seen the crawfish that color plenty of times for different reasons like certain places like california delta they're always red so like mm. so it's obviously regional regionally specific right like dudes at the delta are flipping red flake in their baits all year long and throwing you know red chatter baits and stuff like that because the the craws are always that color sometimes they are that color i've seen yeah i've even seen really red craws in the fall man so like that's something Mm -hmm. to always pay attention to um but like he 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 mentioned water clarity and red's a great dirty water bait when that water gets some color to it red works extremely well the oranges and reds and we've seen like we've seen it blow up in the last few years you know that that red that fire cross skirt in a vibrating jig went from like no one ever throwing it to being like you can't get him like this i bought him this summer for this spring because i knew once you got close to the spring there was no chance you were going to be able to uh, throw it so it's kind of interesting how it's really blown up more and more and like uh like last spring we were at some tournaments uh like ufala at for the bpt uh, mlf BT, bpt at ufala i was like throwing white on my vibrating jig and i'm like I got this this color that no one ever throws called white because everyone's throwing red. You know, I felt, <laughs> felt like Rob throwing a spinnerbait. I'm like, I'm throwing this old school color white. And uh, they, I, I caught them pretty good because like literally every boat that I went by that was running down the same banks was throwing a fire craw. Um, what you follow was at Alabama or Oklahoma? Alabama. But it was Alabama. shallow, dirty yeah. water, you know. And, and that, so Jordan went up river with that fire craw. That's when Jordan caught like the 30, what do you have, 36 yeah. pounds for his biggest five or whatever. Um, Cause he fished that bank when he was a non-boater 12 years ago. Yeah. But he caught him on red. It's incredible. It is. It is. Rain man over there. Um, (laughs) Counting toothpicks. Exactly. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 it just, it's probably a combination of all one thing, like, another, another time I throw red is around smallmouth. like smallmouth just love red. man. I mean, just it's, it, it, it does. It fires them up. I think, you know, with, when you're around smallmouth, if you have a chartreuse or a red bait, or at least that mixed into your bait, it just, they see it a little bit better and it, 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 they just Angers can't them. help themselves around <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I've actually, I've even seen some videos. I've been doing a little bit of research for Palestine and I've seen some videos of dudes throwing red jerk baits around the, yeah. in the springtime. So I've never thrown a red jerk bait ever. Um, heard on bass talk live someone asked uh frank scalish if he ever throws a craw colored jerk bait and at first my instinct was like that's a no offense but that's a dumb question you know a craw <laughs> jerk bait but then i thought about like maybe he's talking about the red and and the dudes in the video i saw were, were catching him on on that red so it's just a it's a fishy color and um i would say it g- kind of goes away of course around the spawn and then post-spawn especially because the water's clearing up on a lot of lakes and they're so keyed in on shad that time of year. Like, like the reason the water gets dirty in the winter and these, these hardcore colors like solid white and, and bright red and black and blue work so well is you have runoff and it rains. It's the rainy season. The lakes are up high. The water's dirty. And then as you get into the summer, the rains slow down. Lakes, all the reservoirs around the country settle out and they get back to their normal watercolor and red becomes like too much like it just mm. becomes too much on a on a normal day in a relatively clear reservoir right yeah i agree with that totally and it's funny when you said the delta i thought of the the red colored speed craw do you remember the i think interesting it's, it's a, no not dude. speed not speed craw what's the name of oh, the, the trap speed trap no. 
is it speed trap? Yeah, the crankbait. Yeah, the little short bill, like before square, bill, square bills were a thing. Yep. It was like the original, right? Yeah. Lure Jensen made yep. that. Is that speed yep. trap? Is that what that was? It is a speed trap. It's yeah, kind of a tricky yeah. name for a, like, it is. a I, square bill. But I remember loading up on those going to the Delta. I actually caught them on that up there. So Yeah, I think you gave me yours, dude. The ones I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I don't – do they even make them anymore? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah, funny because – I gave you a bunch of old rogues too. Have you ever, have you used those at I all? I got all your old school stuff. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. man. You know, especially like, you know, several years ago when you had first given them to me, you know, I was, yeah. I was getting ready to go to grand and that was kind of the, yeah. the, uh, the deal on grand, yeah. uh, especially, yeah. uh, especially back in the day. Yeah. Right. Another cool. tangent for a different day when Josh isn't trying to put the garage door up and go fishing it would be fun to talk about. I saw it on social media, John Murray, has uh, been posting some old oh, school. Oh, he's had great stuff. Great, great posts. It'd be fun, different episode, different rabbit hole to just talk about like, you know, the the old school rogue and why that was a special bait and things like that. And uh, it would be pretty well, cool. But I think I'm stealing the thunder. Who won the contest, man? We we knocked it out. Did we announce his name? Let's let's pop Adam the confetti. Irvine. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there you go. Congrats, man. You've got a uh, set of Hercules uh, trailer tires, Power ST2s. It's they're they're... I've been running them for a little over two years and uh, phenomenal tires, man. I know you'll love them. So um, if you can, I think you message me on Facebook, message me back on Facebook with your address and uh, we'll get them sent to you. But um, one yeah. tire a month for four months, just so you can kind of ease into them. <laughs> just I'm sure logistically Hercules would be happy with that too, man. Yeah. If he has a single axle trailer, he has two sets. So yeah. it's all good. There you go. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Yeah, don't put them out in the sun. <laughs> well, hey, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks again uh, to everyone for playing. That was fun. We'll do more of these uh, moving forward, and, and you know, who knows what the basis will be of our next contest. But that was uh, that was cool. We, we've got a we didn't get to even you know a tenth of the questions, but they end up dragging on a little longer than expected. But we'll use them all. Like I said, they'll be coming in, in future episodes. And uh, what else do you guys have coming up for the rest of the week? It's typical for me. So. I'm actually going to try and catch a fish this week. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm planning on double digits and multiples and it's just going to be, it's going to be great. I'm going to get out on the water three times this week and I'm just going to whack them. Are you going to go three times? Is that the plan? Yeah. My sister's coming from Wyoming. So I probably only get out two times this week, but that's okay. Still going to get them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good luck on that. And uh, thanks, yeah, man. thanks again to uh, the listeners, Rob, hope your housework goes well. And uh, we'll talk to you next week after this event, we'll have a good guest lined up and, and we'll have some more fun. Hope you'll have a good Josh. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks again so much for sending in all the great questions. And if we didn't get to yours, we eventually will. Uh, we may just be waiting for the right guest or the right time to do it. So um, we'll be back to having a guest and kind of uh, back to our normal episode starting again next week. But thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you all then.